It's great to see you all here in person at Faith City Church this morning, and thank you for those that are joining us online at this time. It's great to have you with us, and I hope that you're, the experience that you're having, even wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, is as powerful and as real as it is here. God is not restricted to this square footage. God is hovers over our city, I believe, over our region, over our world, and His Holy Spirit is ministering on so many levels to us all as we're open to that. So fantastic to be gathered together today to worship. And we're continuing in our series of values. And the value I want to look at this morning is experiencing God, experiencing God, not just knowing about him. And it's an incredible opportunity and an incredible privilege to, to have that for us. So I just want to jump right in. I can still remember... The first time I flew on a commercial flight, you know, one of the big, big planes, I, it was a trip to, uh, down in, in the West Indies, down to, to Trinidad is actually where I was going. It was with a group to do some, some work on West Indies School of Theology. Uh, so there's a, there's a Bible college down there and they had experienced some sp- storm damage and to the main buildings. And so a bunch of us went down there to work on that. I'd never... Uh, I'd never flown before. I'd never been out of the country. I would like, it was pretty much like it was my first real, you know, bon voyage kind of a thing. I was excited. I, I met up with some people in Toronto, people I didn't even know, but I felt that it was the right thing to do to go. So it was pretty, pretty exciting to be able to do that. I knew a certain bit about flying. I mean, I'm, I'm a physics major. I've always kind of gotten into different things. Like I know there's a certain amount of thrust required to move the plane down the runway. And the idea is to get enough flow of air over the wings to create lift. And all of those things come together and powers and forces. And eventually as you roll down the runway, you pick up speed, it will lift off. I knew all those things. But that day when I buckled up my seat and, the, you know, the, the flight attendants had done all their thing and about the mask dropping out of the ceiling and all that stuff, just, you know, just make you feel at ease, right? Yeah, right. So <laughs> never flown before. So in that moment, all of a sudden, when the, when the pilot pushed the throttle forward and that plane started down the runway and it sucked me right back into the seat and I, and I experienced that sensation for myself, it was an incredible moment. I love that feeling. I love flying. Some people, you know, the plane starts to, to rumble a little bit and the, all those forces are happening and people, you see some people go as white as a sheet and they're like, ah. But me, it's like, I love that moment. I love that, that moment when we take off and the wheels leave the runway. It's, I just, the experience was, was great. I'll never forget that moment because that was, you know, my first flight. The whole trip, trip was really an experience. The people, the warm weather, the, the fresh mango off of the tree, ripe and juicy, the, just the taste of that for the very first time. Like, there were so many things, the, the, the work we were able to do. And it was one thing after another that was such an incredible experience for me. But one of the things that I think impacted me the most was being there in a different context. It, was, it wasn't the food, it wasn't the, it wasn't the people, it wasn't like, all those things were amazing. But the thing that impacted me the most was actually spiritual. When I was there, when we were in worship, as, as I prayed, 
I got to experience God in a completely different culture, in a completely different country, in a completely different setting. And in that experience, in that moment, it just, the box that I had put God in, which I didn't even know that I had built this box, but my box was my little community church that I went to, you know, those few people that I knew and just the way we went through the motions or not going through the motions, but the way we, the patterns that we followed and the same courses that we sang and all that stuff. That was my experience of God. And I thought that that was it. And then I, then I had a chance to see in a completely different context, the same spirit of God that I knew and recognized from my own little experience was there. And God was bigger than me. God was bigger than my church. God was bigger than my culture. And it just blew my mind and it blew my expectation of who God was. And it was so exciting for me. It, 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 it's, it's one thing to hear about things like that. Like I knew from my reading of the Bible and what I had been taught that God is everywhere. I knew that you know, God transcends space and time. I know that the same spirit that's here is the same spirit that's there. I knew those things, but I experienced it for myself, and it changed me because of that experience. It was incredible. Experience has value in so many ways. For me, that was one of those ways where experience has value. Something that's like even super practical. When you think about someone's coming in for an interview, for a job interview, somebody's, you know, um, the process is, you know, you put in your resume and it gets reviewed and you sit across the table and you actually have a conversation in the interview. Well, what are two things that your employer will look for, your potential employer? They'll look for your qualifications, those things you've studied, and the most common second thing that they look for is experience. Your job experience. So there's a great value that's placed on what you've learned, like those skill sets, whatever, the different things that you've been exposed to, the knowledge that you've amassed. But there's also the value that they see in what you've done and what you've experienced. Because there's things that we only learn through experience. There's, there's the application of what we know. And it moves from theory into practice. It moves from, from theory into experience, and we begin to be able to leverage that, and it makes a difference even when we're being employed. People understand the value of that. It's true of so many things, but in the context of our vision, our mission, and our values, the series that we're in, I want us to consider the value that we place on experiencing God. Not experiencing work, not experiencing this, but experiencing God and experiencing him for ourselves. And when we think about that in the context of a value, um, I want to read the value kind of the way we've worded it in this idea of experiencing God, not just knowing him or not just knowing about him. And it says this, we want to experience God, not just know him or not just know about him. So we make room for his presence. It brings freedom. It brings life. It brings transformation and out of this world power into our lives. Knowledge is important, but so is experience. Knowledge is important, but so is experience. I just want to pause there for a moment. I want to pray. God, I acknowledge even now as we, in this moment, God, all I need is you. Lord, we need your presence. 
We need your spirit. God, we need you in just a fresh revelation of who you are. God, I pray for that for everyone within the sound of my voice. For a fresh revelation of your love, of your grace, of who you are, your character, nor just the incredible gift that it is to experience you, not just hear about you. So Lord, through this word, through the worship, through the continuation of this service here in person and those online, God, reveal yourself. And Lord, that we would encounter you and have that personal experience. And may it change us forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Knowing is important, but so is experience. The Bible can be approached in so many ways. You, you can look at it as a collection of Hebrew writings. You, you can look at it as, as a, a book of theology or even a book of history. And, it, and it's all of those things in black and white. That it's all of those things. It's like it, it's in printed form. It's, but we need to recognize as we kind of look at it and you start to lay it out, it's a series of accounts of the experience that people are having with God, their encounter with God and that experience. And it's, and it's chronicled throughout the Bible from Genesis right through to the end of Revelation. And, and that experience of God is, is in how people interact with him, like how they approach God and how God approaches them. It's, it's raw in the Bible. It's messy. And the reason that is is because people are messy. We, we, we bring our stuff and, and so you, you look at that in the context of the Bible, it's like, it's not nice and neat and tidy. It's like you read, you read so much of it, and it's like, folks, it's like you look at it and go, really? It's like you think, how could they do that? Or like, whoa, that was, that was bizarre. But it's like, it's because it's people, and it's real people, and it's not sterilized, it's, it's real. You think about it, it's like, as an example, you start in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1-1, right? God creates people. People are hanging out in the garden with Jesus. It's like this, this sense of, talk about experience. They walked with God in the cool of the day. And talk about getting messy. You, 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 bring, you throw in a serpent, some temptation, and things just went sideways. It got messy in a hurry. That was the first book of the Bible. <laughs> But it continues on from there. But God is faithful and he keeps reaching out to people. And there's these different ways that God interacts and desires for relationship and connection between those he created in himself. You think about in, in, in the story of Moses. He's a man that experienced God. He's a man that experienced God probably in a way that was unique to him that no one else that walked the earth really experienced in the same way that he did it. Exodus chapter 3 actually records this the idea of Moses and God and, and walking together. And there's this situation where they have this really intense interchange where, where Moses and God are, are talking as like God's uh, like telling them to enter the promised land. And, and at that point, God's kind of saying, you go ahead because these people are getting on my nerves. And it's like, if I go with you, I could just wipe them off the face of the earth. Like this is God talking about his people. It's like, read it for yourself. Exodus 3. I'm not making this stuff up. This is real. And so it's like this situation. And then Moses says, no, no, no. No, God, you have to go with us. How will people know that we are your chosen people if you don't go? And so they have this interchange. And, and through it, and through the process, God says, okay, I will go with you. 
And then Moses gets really bold and he says, show me your glory. God, I want to see all of you. I've had a glimpse, but I want to see more. And God says, man, you can't handle this. Right? He's like, you, yeah, you think you want to see that? So God protected Moses in a way. And Moses got a glimpse of God, a glimpse of his glory. And it, it was so impactful on him that it set him up for the remainder of his journey. But it's, the, the scripture says his face even glowed with the glory of God. Like his face glowed because of this encounter with God. It's, it's that idea of experiencing God for himself. It was extraordinary. There was no denying the impact that it has. The Bible speaks to the nature of God and the, the compassion and the love of God and his love of people and how he wants relationship. It's so core to who God is. He wants us to be, to be with him. He, was, he longs for that, for that communion like he had with Adam and Eve in the garden with us, the people he created. He wants us to be in relationship with him. He longs for us to know him deeper. We think about wanting to know God. We, we think of like wanting to encounter God. Have you ever considered that God wants to encounter you? It's two-way. His heart, he is complete in and of himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet his heart, his desire is to be in close relationship for the, with the people that he created. And, and so much of that is like, that's not dead religion. That's not theory. That's real. It's impacting. It's an experience. There's so many stories throughout the Bible. It's like I talked about Genesis. I talked about Exodus with Moses. But it's like it goes on from there. There's so many more. We think of Isaiah was a prophet. And it talks about how he experienced God in the still small voice after he'd had all these other encounters. It talks about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah had this vision of God and his glory filling the temple. And it just leaves him undone and wrecked before the presence of God. We think of in the New Testament, Peter, James, and John, they went with Jesus and they saw him transfigured, changed, glorified before them. And, and, and it's like it impacted them. And it's like even think of it from the standpoint, this brings it down to kind of our level. Then you've got Thomas who doted everything. And yet he has this, this impacting moment where Jesus is there in his resurrected form. And Thomas gets an opportunity to touch him. And he's changed because of it. It impacts him. It's an experience Think of Paul on the road to Damascus, again in the New Testament. Paul was a man that had all the knowledge you can imagine. He was so studied. He was a theological scholar. He had, every, he had access to every you know, biblical text that you could get. He was well trained. He knew it all. But it wasn't until Damascus, the road to Damascus, when he experienced God for himself. And he was a changed man. He was a changed man because he experienced God. Knowing about God is one thing. And that's important. We need that. We need to know about God. But experiencing God for yourself is another. Experiencing the presence and power and spirit of God is a transforming thing. And we desperately, desperately need that. Another account in John chapter 9. There's this great story. A great account of a man that was born blind that 
came to Jesus, and it starts with a question from the disciples. It's like they're trying to figure this out, and it's like there's this man born blind, and they're, 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 they're trying to sound smart. You know how we do that when we sometimes want to look good. So they go, Jesus, who was it that sinned that this man was born blind? And Jesus says, what are you talking about? It's like, this isn't about who sinned. It's like he was born blind. It's like, this was all for my glory. Like, this, wasn't, this isn't about him. This is about God. And so he, he takes that moment and he, says, and he heals the man. He, like, he, it's kind of an interesting way to do it. He spits on the ground, makes some mud, rubs it on the guy's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Shalom. And, and the guy does. <laughs> and he's, boom, he can see. So the interesting thing was this happened on the Sabbath. It was on their day of rest. And there was all kinds of religious rules and things that went with that. So it happened on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees, number one, it happened on the Sabbath. It couldn't be God working. This could not be God. And it was this Jesus character that was stirring everything up. And it's like, well, this guy, who, who does he think he is? The Messiah? <laughs> yeah. So, so that was part of the problem. Right? So they even questioned the validity of the healing. It's like, it can't be the same guy. It looks like him, but it's not really him. It's like, or does, was he really healed? So that's my Coles Notes version. You, you need to read it for yourself because I sometimes get details wrong. But be wise, read it for yourself. So in chapter 9 of John, I want to pick it up at verse 18. So they've already had a chance to interview him once. They know about the healing. But then I want to, I want to pick it up in verse 18. So this is... The Pharisees, the religious leaders, man born blind. They still did not believe that, had been that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say, is this the one you say <laughs> was born blind? How is it that now he can see? So the parents answer, right? We, uh, we know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. Knowledge. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He experienced it for himself. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why they said, ask him. Ask, he's of age. So a second time, these Pharisees, they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God and tell us the truth. Sounds good. And then they said, we know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, I was born blind, but I can see. Whether this guy's a sinner or not, I don't know, but I know this. I was born blind, and now I can see. Then they said, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He says, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him, and they said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses and the law and the commandments and all these things. We know that God spoke to Moses, but this fellow... We don't even know where he came from. Where's his credibility? The man answered, now that is remarkable. I think he gets a little bit sarcastic. Well, isn't that remarkable? You don't even know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. 
We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Remember I mentioned about the being born blind and, and the disciples says, like, who sinned? These guys, are, again, are saying, you were, like, you're sinful. You were born blind. It's like, you can't, who do you think you are? And they threw him out. Well, Jesus heard that he'd been thrown out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I might believe in him. And Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He was born blind. And Jesus healed him. He had this moment, this encounter, where he says, I don't know about any of these other details. This I know. I was broken. I was blind. I couldn't see. But now I can see. And he believed. He experienced God and he believed. Now contrast that with the Pharisees. The Pharisees had all the knowledge. Like they knew everything about the Messiah. They had studied it. They were looking for him. The Messiah was supposed to come on the stage and turn everything on its head. And the Romans were supposed to be conquered. And, and this guy would rule the world. They knew everything about Jesus. But this other guy had experienced him for himself. So they had the knowledge. They had the hearsay, but they didn't have the experience. Knowledge without experience was the mark of the Pharisees. They had it all the knowledge, but they didn't have any experience. They, they, they couldn't figure that out. But you move over here where you've got knowledge and experience. That was the New Testament church. That was Jesus' disciples. He unpacked the scriptures and then he showed it in action. It was, it was this combination of knowledge and experience that set them apart. And it's what set the world on fire. This, this power of God, the reality of God with us. And we celebrate that at Christmas time. But in this moment, this person, this blind man experienced God for himself. You know, we can read books, we can do the research, we can, we can study and we can pull it apart and do exegesis and, and we, can, we can do all of those things and miss the most important thing. Those things are good, not wrong, but we can miss the most important thing, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. An encounter, an experience Experiencing the saving grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the, that which only he can satisfy. You know, we can have a lot of experiences. And let's say they are not all good. Some things that we think are good, but they're just not worth it. When you, you see, We seek after so many different things. I love, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis. And I'm pretty sure it's out of mere Christianity, but... 
Anyway, it's a C.S. Lewis quote, and he says this. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If, if what we experience in life, we, we try it all. You know, the rock and roll song, I want it all, I want it now. And it's like we want, and it's like, and it leaves us as empty as when we started. But when we find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. We were made for another world. A world where Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom forever. And we spend eternity with him in, in that communion, in that relationship that he desires even now. We were created for something bigger. And God invites us in. Now that is pretty important. God invites us in our present state to come to him. He invites us in. And he provides a way for that to happen. I don't know where you're standing here today when we consider what that is. But listen to this in Colossians 1.22. I want you to think about this. Colossians 1.22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Yet he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I don't know where you stand this morning. Well, you're all sitting and I assume you guys are too. But, but where you stand is in, you know what I'm saying, the metaphorical, I don't know where you stand, but do we recognize that in Christ, the invitation is there, is that we stand before God accepted, loved, forgiven, cherished, adopted. Through what Jesus did, we can stand blameless, faultless. I mean, Debbie and I have got a great relationship but even in that, I do not stand before her faultless and blameless. There are days when I, right? But we stand before God and he sees us as faultless. How crazy is that, that God would do that through Jesus, his son? And so what do we do that? He provides a way. Well, what do we do with that? Well, he invites us. He says, you're good. You can come in. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having your heart sprinkled and cleansed, uh, cleansing us from all guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who, pro uh, who promised is faithful. He's faithful. We can come to him, ask the team to come back. We can come into his presence, almighty God, with your stuff, with your mess, 
with your, even with your, your sin, we bring it to God and he takes care of it. That's what Jesus did. That's what it talks about when he gave us access. We can bring our brokenness, the broken pieces of our lives, and we bring it to Jesus. And he says, come on in. Come to me. Approach God. Approach him with confidence. Because Jesus made a way for us to come in. I, I mentioned this before, but I want to I say it again. There's, the story of, of my story is that I grew up in church. I had this knowledge of God. I knew everything, well, not everything. I knew about God. I had been taught the stories. I had, you know, I'd read my Bible. I'd gone to church, you know, all my life. All my life. But there came a point in time when I was in a service. I was prayed for. God was just there. His spirit, his presence was there. And I encountered God. I experienced his Holy Spirit in a way I had never experienced it before. And it blew me away. Suddenly something came to life in me. A light came on. Those things that I had read, the things that I knew, suddenly dropped into my heart. And I'm like, God is real. His spirit is real. I experienced it for myself. And I'm like, this is, this is amazing. God's real. It's, it's not just my parents' religion. It's not just, you know, what good people are supposed to do. That, you know, if, if, if you don't do too many bad things and you do a few good things, then you're okay. Because I knew all the bad things I did. And it's like, I figured I was a wreck. I was a write-off. And yet in the midst of that, I experienced God for myself and it changed everything. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking more than a religion, more than going through the motions, more than just coming to a service, more than just raising a hand, more than just singing a song, but having a heart that's open to what the Spirit is doing and believing and understanding that God wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with Him. Whether you're on your couch in your, in, in your living room right now, whether you're here in this room, God wants to meet with you, and He is. His Spirit's at work. His presence is transformational. I want to read. We get into his presence by his spirit. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the spirit. He's spirit. Okay, God is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I almost want to yell that, but that's not okay. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, all of us, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This isn't theory. This is applied knowledge. This is transformational. We can, experience him, we can experience God in so many ways. We can experience him here in corporate worship and online through that coming together and there's something really special about this there's like I, I i pray we can always find some way to get together whether it's online or in person that there's the presence of god when we come together and we worship together it's incredible god designed us for this but we can also do it in prayer we can pray one-on-one -on -one with god he says come to me like our father who in heaven like that's not a formula it's like we can come to god and we can recognize who he is and we can say you know your will be done in me is it as it is in heaven. We can pray. We can read his word for ourselves. And I hope you do. You know, read, read John chapter 9. Get the facts. Get it firsthand. 
We can read his word and through that we experience God. You start to hear stories about what happened and we realize God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if God could do it for them, he could do it for us. If God could, if a group of, of, of the followers of Jesus can gather after God, Jesus' resurrection and after the Holy Spirit came and they can come together and they can pray and the place where they were was shaken and they were filled with the Spirit and they proclaimed the word of God boldly. If that can happen then, it can happen now. We have access to that. We have access to that. To experience the power of God. You know, people can argue a lot of things. People out there, we can tell them the truth. We can, we can explain the Bible. We can quote a verse. And they can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, but they can't argue against experience. I was blind. But I can see. It happened to me. People can't argue our experience because it happened to us. People can't argue your experience because it happened to you. Wow. If you're here this morning and you've never experienced the saving grace of God for yourself, if you're watching and you're hearing this and you have never experienced the grace of God, you have never experienced the salvation of God for yourself, it is for you today. It's for any of us today. That saving grace of God is for us to experience that it be our testimony. That it's like, I was spiritually blind. I was dead. I was lost. I was a mess. But I can see. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what I'm talking about experience. If that's you, if you're in this room or if you're watching this online, you can reach out to God. You can come to him and say, God, I'm blind. God, I can't get through this. I can't, see, I can't see my way out. God, come, heal me. I accept you. Be my Savior. Save me. And he will. And maybe you're here. And I want to explain. It's like This experience isn't a one-off thing. You know, in the Old Testament, they could only come once a year into the Holy of Holies, into his presence. We can do that moment by moment, breath by breath, day by day. We have access to the heart of God. And he calls us to come in. If you're here today and it's been a while, he's calling us. He's calling us. Not not because we need to bring some sort of ritual or sacrifice or something. You know what I mean? He's like, he's not asking us to bring tokens. He's saying, come. Let me love you. Let Let me be with you. Come to me. Lay down your burdens. Can we stand together? Can we... And I know I'm going a little long here, but man, God's doing something. I don't want to miss what he's doing. I don't want you to miss what he's doing. We're going to take a few moments and we're going to worship. We're going to believe and we're going to lift him up. And I'm believing that people are already experiencing the presence and power of God. And as we worship, let's just open our hearts to all that God has for us. Let's believe that he is here to meet us and that we are welcome to come into his presence. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for your presence and that, God, you desire for us to come to you more than we even desire to get to you. So, God, in that, Lord, be glorified here today. Be glorified in this live stream. God, that we would meet with you and we would be forever transformed by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.